This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, I like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube with an action-packed, awesome show, Sam. Yeah, it is. A little bit uh, chaotic, this show. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff. Mailbag episode. Um, we've got Mike Sando coming on later to talk about the way NFL executives view quarterbacks in terms of his tiers, how they're ranked. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of interesting stuff in this show. The annual QB Tears article from Mike Sando. We will break that down in a little bit. And that's also different. We're going to try to be really professional oh. and bring a guest on live mid-show and see if we can pull it all off. That is ambitious. Yeah. And uh, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Certainly when you consider our, uh, our efforts on location in Colts camp. We did all right. I was about to say we're back from Colts camp. Yeah. Had a fun show being on location. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were, we did what we could. We did. We did what we could. We gave it our best shot. But um, I think that was fun. It was good fun, yeah. It was fun being out there. and uh, There was an awful lot of comment on how small it made me look. You know, yeah, We did not account for that at all. Well, I, we're going to have to do something, I think. Somebody on Twitter suggested that we do that thing that uh, Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings, you know, the forced perspective thing, where you're just going to have to sit further away from the camera. Yeah. You know, and you're... You become, we have to reverse. We have to do it the, the opposite way. Like you have to become the hobbit in this scenario where you sit further back so that you look smaller. Because me sitting next to you looked ridiculous. In fact, Quiddy Pay sitting next to you looked ridiculous. And Quiddy Pay is listed at 6'2, 265, and he was in shoulder pads and you were bigger than him in every dimension. That's right. That's a problem. It should be a red zone weapon. I should be Look at this. Yeah. 5'11, 180 ish. 6'2", 265, in pads, and then you making both of us look like children. Four question marks. <laughs> That's it. 6'10", four question marks. Yeah, making both of us look like kids. Maybe I should get some red zone reps or something. We just need to, you know, the table now needs to be angled so that you're like six <laughs> feet further back than the rest of us. People don't see the magic of TV here where we look similar height here because of our uh, adjustable chairs. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, it was another example. I was, there was one point, genuinely, right? We, you know, did our interviews and stuff, and then we move up the sideline behind the red line. Behind the red line. Don't go ahead of that red line. Yeah. 
get so we're watching practice right with Us the rest of security the, personnel right but we're, we're there like with the rest of the journalists you know and the reporters and stuff and i'm standing there you've wandered up you know further on to get a bird's eye view i'm standing there and i'm <laughs> this literally went through my brain after this there's like 15 people you know around where i am and i'm like i'm the tallest person here 15 people normal people i'm the tallest of the 15 and then he over there makes me look like I'm 12 when we sit down on this desk. It's, yeah. it's an injustice is what it is. That's how I almost made it to the big league. Just <laughs> crazy size, no talent, somehow did I feel like, Why don't you tell me this thing's just hanging here? What's know. going on, man? I feel like we wasted your talent, though. Like you, Probably. You took up baseball where being giant is, I mean, I'm sure it's of use, but it's of limited use. Yeah. Whereas if we'd got you playing like football or, you know, a violent sport, we could have really capitalized on something. Oh, yeah. I was not violent enough. I could right. not have done that. But I feel like you, you got yourself into that by Pad picking level. up a sport that just involves throwing things. Had levels an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, All we right. could have conditioned you from an early age to hit people. All right. So, we're going to hit the mailbag here today? Yeah. Get um, some good stuff. NFL podcast at pff.com. We have a bunch of stuff coming in the mailbag that ticks a variety of different categories that we've been, you know, we've asked people to mail in for lots of things, right? Bets, the bet show, we'll have to do that coming up uh, as we get close to the season. Um, general feedback on stuff that we've said in the past, good, bad, or indifferent. So there's all kinds of stuff. Let's start with this one. Um, Brad Mossing. Remember, it's been a theme a few times come up, uh, like why your brain focuses on the bad things. You know, you remember the bad things way more than you remember the good things. And somebody had emailed in previously and was sort of saying it's a, it's a deep, uh, deep past kind of evolutionary thing, right? And I was a little bit skeptical on that. But Brad Mossing emailed in and he said, uh, okay, I think essentially the example of what we're looking for is being scared of the dark. Again, think way back, you know, hunter-gatherer, tribal type times. 50,000 years ago, you're sitting by the campfire. You hear something in the dark. Is it a lion? Or is it a rabbit? If you believe it's a rabbit and it's a rabbit, you're safe. If you believe it's a rabbit and it's a lion, you're dead. If you believe it's a lion and it's a rabbit, you're safe. If you believe it's a lion and it's a lion, then you're safe relatively. If you always treat the noise as a lion, you'll always be safe. We remember the negative to prevent repeating, possibly destruction, behavior. So rather than like you remember, you know, the bat not getting the meal rather than how to get the meal, which is feels like a wash to me. Essentially, if you treat the if you remember the negative always, you're always preparing for the worst case scenario. I buy that more than the previous suggestion. Is that why you are how you are? Not just me, but everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that why our negativity show always does better than our positivity show? Probably. People want that. Yeah. People yeah. want the negativity. It's why that cliche of, you know, news media, if it bleeds, it leads. It's why you always remember the bad beats, not the, the high times, why you're always chasing. Nothing motivates players more than the, 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 the bone-crushing loss in the Super Bowl or the championship game rather than the win. That's, that's why. Because if you believe it's a lion, you're always safe. Again, relatively. If it is a lion, you've got problems. Tell you where you could stay safe is with uh, Western Southern Financial Group. They're the sponsor here for the mm. PFF NFL podcast. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? It's Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions that helps you rest assured on game day. 
of which it is today, a game day. Mm. Hall of Fame game is tonight. We should have led with that. But you can team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. I, I had Happy this idea. Zach Wilson starting day. Yeah. I had this idea at one point preparing for the show that it would be funny to text Chris and be like, because Chris is announcing the game broadcast, NBC, Sunday Night Football crew. Um, that it would be funny to get him and just text him and be like, hey, what should we look out for in the big game? You know, knowing that Zach Wilson versus Kellen Mond, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have the highest billing of the season. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then I decided that it might not be as funny. For NBC, you know, if, if he replied and was like, can't wait to get rid of this game, you know, this sack of garbage. So I decided that wouldn't make a great segment after all. So you've decided to not repeat what he actually said or to not pursue an answer? Not pursue an answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, I, you know, if, if he replied and was like, this is the worst thing to be put on TV in the next 50 years. It's challenging doing TV in the early preseason games. Especially well, it's not like, like it used to be. Game, yeah, you know? it's not like it used to be when everybody used to play, you know, okay, limited snaps, but you would at least see all the big people you wanted to see. Now it's like we're already starting with the fourth string, you know. Zach Wilson, though, is an interesting, uh, like, of all the teams and names that could be starting at a, in a Hall of Fame game, Zach Wilson is at least an intriguing one to watch. Oh, absolutely. I'm always interested in watching Zach Wilson, his development, uh, if anything has changed, and then we can, uh, if he plays great, I mean, that's a, it's a lose-lose. Because if he plays well, you'd be like, well, he played well as a rookie in the preseason as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was unbelievable then. But it'd be great to just see him look different or right. you know, look uh, more confident or whatever it might be as, with a little you know, less pressure this yeah. year. I mean, you can't necessarily take anything from it, but it's interesting to watch and monitor nonetheless. Like now that Zach Wilson is no longer the starter of the Jets, um, but still theoretically figures in their future you know if you get two years of Rodgers maybe Zach Wilson becomes the successor but whatever I think he's an interesting name to monitor by contrast Kellen Mond starting on the other side it's like eh, I mean you know what are we getting out of this maybe he's going to develop here maybe. all right what else do you have here from the the mailbag we eleven thirty, so we have to figure out this we have to be very professional here today okay 31 minutes from now <clears throat> Sando joins the show well, let's assume he's on time that is assuming he's on time. And then he has a hard out as well. Okay. So we have to be very professional. It's like live TV here. Yeah. I have to be like a real host. Bring somebody in at the right time. Get them out at the right time. Yeah. See how we do. Okay. All right. Just saying. Like the, I feel like we're with, with, our, with our listeners and viewers here, you know, we're, we're growing together. This Can, is... Candid honesty. Yes. Yeah. That's what we do here. So the next email is of the, uh, the bet variety. Um, we started this last year. I think it was pretty fun. We essentially, if you think we're full of it, you know, we say a lot of the same things basically through the entire course of the offseason where no football happens and nothing can therefore change your opinion effectively. Um, and a lot of people think we're wrong from the outset. You know, your take on this team has been wrong for the entire offseason, and I'm sick of listening to it. Um, and we were like, well, if you think we're wrong, let's make a bet. You know, you bet, tell us the thing we're wrong about and how wrong we are. And if we think it's a, uh, if we like vehemently disagree with you, we can bet a, a year of PFF plus on it. And if you're right, you get the free year. If you're wrong, unlucky. Um, so we had like, what, 40 bets, 45 bets, something like that last year that we monitored throughout the course of the season. And we ended up giving seven, eight, something like that. PFF plus is away. And they were stuff that like we were 100% sure, which was the point of this. Like we are yeah. sure we're going to win all these bets. And we ended up losing like eight or nine of them. Stuff like Geno Smith 
you know, screwed us out of a couple of, uh, of these bets. Anyway, Lee Miles replies and saying, uh, Hi, Sam and Steve. As a man, I try not to get suckered into doubling down on a bad bet. However, last year, I bet that the Falcons would have at least the same or better record than uh, every offseason's NFL media darling, the Los Angeles Chargers. This year, I am adamant in my team to go one better. I bet that not only will the Falcons have a better record than the Chargers, I'm now eliminating the draw, the Falcons will win the NFC South as well. I'm wow. already excited to have the uh, PFF Plus for 2025 for free. Yours sincerely, your biggest fan from the tiny, uh, tiny island of Jersey. Lee, you what know is, where uh, Jersey is? The ti- tiny island of Jersey? Mm-hmm. Is it in New Jersey? No. It's old Jersey. It, yeah, I guess that. Oh, British Isles. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Certainly. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's good, off good Wales. Work. It's off Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Indeed. No. Where is it? It's a Channel Island. Oh, Do you know what the channel is? The English Channel? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, between... Uh, <laughs> Yes. In France. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good well done. <laughs> Said that confidently. <laughs> England and France. There's the channel. Yeah. And it's an island. It's a channel the island. Yeah. Of how many people? I don't know. Not many. Let's find out. It seems like a nice place to live. Is that like one of the better places to live? I think it's quite nice. Yeah. It's yeah. a tax haven, I believe. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad we've reached I can't Jersey. Type in, yeah. I'm going to have to type in Jersey, UK, because otherwise it's going to give me New Jersey. Is it cleaner than New Jersey? Uh, oh, man, the, let's not. I'm not going to insult the New Jersey people. On, <laughs> no, on the 21st of March, 2021, Census Day, the resident population of Jersey was 103,267. That's what I was going to say, right around there. Yeah. I was going to say 103,000, give or take. Of course, yeah. yeah. I've never been there, but it looks like a nice place. Anyway. So what needs to happen? So the bet is... The Falcons will both have a better record than the Chargers and win the NFC South. Now, remember, if you were listening and monitoring, like, how the bets did last season, the more compounding thing, like, the more things that have to go, like, the parlay. The parlay is a bad approach here. What you want to do is zero in on one thing that has to go your way and bet that. What almost invariably cripples everybody is saying, I bet that these three things will happen all together. And they, one of them will screw you. I know he's doubling down. I'm almost you know, willing to maybe give the PFF plus if the Falcons <laughs> have a better record than the Chargers. I would, I would accept this bet again. Love the double down here. Um, maybe it gets two years. Two years if both things hit. And one year if one hits. One year if one hits. We'll have to start tracking these. But these are the type of bets we're looking for. The ones that hit last year were things like Geno Smith yeah. uh, being a top 10 or top 25% quarterback, right? Whatever it might have been. Um, what needs to happen for this to hit, for the Falcons to have a better record than the Chargers? I mean, Desmond Ritter needs to not stink. So the, the perils of training camp are we, you're at the mercy of the interpreter a lot of the time. Yeah. It's not difficult to interpret, hey, you know, the other day, like, Mac Jones went 13 for 15 passing during team drills. Fine. That's, like a, that's, that's a fact right. of a stat. But I see a lot – I've seen – various reports on Desmond Ritter. It's like, I was at camp this day. He missed way too many throws. And then another person's like, oh, Desmond Ritter's, you know, looking good. Um, even the other day, when it, the, the Colts practiced the other day, uh, Shane Steichen's having his post-game press conference. And, you know, you and I watched practice. I came away mostly positive about Anthony Richardson, his accuracy. And one of the reporters said, hey, uh, Anthony Richardson missed a bunch of throws today. What'd you think? And Shane's like, 
this is one of his better days. Felt pretty good about it. Of course, he missed a couple, but I thought he was accurate. So you actually have an interpretation problem. You do forget until you're sort of confronted with visual evidence of it sometimes that there is a there's a percentage of people who you genuinely can't trust to actually identify what just happened. Like, watch a play, tell me what happened here, or who did well, who did bad. And there's a chunk of people that just simply cannot do that to any degree of accuracy. And so I've been tweeting out some of my favorite uh, training camp clips. And, you know, I've made no secret of this. I will be tweeting out anything that backs up my priors, right? Anything, doesn't matter. And I will be running with that to a comical degree, you know? Like, this confirms that this guy will be a superstar, et cetera, right? Deliberately. Um, and no matter what you tweet out, doesn't matter. Like, you, it can be the most clear-cut, dominant, awesome play. There will be somebody in there that goes, oh, this is trash. Or, like, this is a bad whatever. Like, actually, actu- well, actually, this was a garbage route, like a bad catch, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, now I can no longer trust anything you ever say. Because this is really obvious. Like, there's, there's a lot of football plays that are debatable, and we can all sort of discuss, you know, is it good or is it bad, what waiting, et cetera, et cetera. There are other plays where it's like open, shut case, and there'll still be people that can't get it right. At which point, I can't trust anything you say. And some of those people are beat writers. Yeah. And so there are certain beat writers you can't ever trust anything they say unless it's the thing, that you, like the black and white thing that you say of went nine for 25, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, that's just a fact that we can't dispute. But, you know, somebody tweeted something about Trey Lance and they were like, you know, <laughs> somebody had reported Trey Lance went, you know, two for five in team drills with two interceptions or whatever. And they were like, okay, but the two interceptions, like one of them was a tip ball you know, that then that was like a spectacular catch by the DB or whatever. And the other one literally hit the receiver in his hands and then spooned away to the next guy. Like at the very minimum, you need that context in yeah. there. If you're, Even if you're, you know, just spitting facts. Right. For a guy like Trey Lance, who, you know, is the focus of, is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? If you're going to put out there, went two for five with two interceptions and they weren't his fault, that needs to be like in there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to derail this, but I mean, this, even last year, like the the fact that Dak Prescott's interceptions are this huge offseason story. Now he threw some bad ones down the stretch last year, but three quarters of the way through the year, when he had a lot of interceptions, like we all watched these passes together. There was literally a drop that bounced up into the Jags' hands that ended the game in overtime. Right? Like, there were literally passes that C.D. Lamb is just not running the route that Dak expre- expected, or they're going out, like, they're just dropped right into the defender. And it still triggers something in everyone's brain. This is why what you mentioned about Kyle Shanahan, the not throwing Hail Mary thing, mm. and how it does something to the quarterback when yeah. they have an interception next to their name. It's because we all remember the bad stuff. We all remember, we're just like, we can't forget, like, you remember negatives or whatever. We just remember stat lines, and, like, nobody can maintain context. Oh, we threw three interceptions today. I watched them. I know that they were all dropped by the receiver, but there's a three there. you got to take better care of the ball. Like, no, you don't. You have to catch the ball as your receiver. Right, and it also creates this narrative amongst the media, which then spirals into, you know, even if the quarterback during the game didn't care, He's going to care later when the entire story is about why has he got 17 interceptions on the season. You know what I mean? That's what it starts. So if the Dak Prescott thing, that where it's a problem for Dak is that he, he got unusually unlucky last season in interceptions, right? But he does put the ball in harm's way more 
than the very best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like Dak will always have a higher turnover-worthy play rate than the likes of Justin Herbert, you know, Burrow, Mahomes, those kinds of guys. That's just the way he is, which is fine. That's not inherently like a critical or a terminal problem in his play. But if you then get unlucky on top of that, now it's like, wow, we got a problem here. Yeah. This is catastrophic. This can't fly. You're like, okay, but let's settle back and realize that this is just a really bad run, and it's almost certainly not going to repeat next season because that doesn't. Like, you know, when Matt Ryan had one of the most insane turnover-worthy uh, play-to-interception ratio swings of luck ever, like the butt pick. Yeah, butt pick, you Right, that yeah. kind of thing, right? It's like the, we need to just settle down and understand what's happening here. But that's why stuff like that interception, you know, Hail Mary at the end of the half is real. Because even if the quarterback doesn't freak out about it, if it simply adds a number to a number that's already getting unlucky and spiraling in the wrong direction, now all you're going to get asked about is that for the next, you know, year. So, I mean, Kyle Shannon's dealing with this already in terms of how come your quarterbacks keep getting hurt? Why? Why are you a bad coach? Explain Why yourself. do you keep hanging these guys out to dry? And like, do you not remember that Jimmy G juked himself out of his own ACL when he could have yeah. just stepped out of the sideline? How's that on me? That's not a play call. Right. And the, the oh, you got, why did you leave a tight end blocking Hassan Reddick to kill your quarterback? Like, dude, there's, <laughs> the next week the Chiefs did that. Except he made the block and it wasn't a problem. Like, what? this is a routine blocking assignment in the NFL. Yeah, people are stupid. Okay, so we took that off ramp because I, all of that to say. I was going to say, how do we get there? My fault. That's not uh, a problem. I'm we're just getting, curious where we started from. We're getting mixed reports on Desmond ah, Ritter. the Falcons, that's and right. And the Atlanta Falcons being better than the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes. So I know we, we can oversimplify and say, how could the Falcons be better than the Chargers? Well, Desmond Ritter has to develop. I don't think he needs to be great. I am impressed with the on-paper roster of the Falcons. So I think for this to be pulled off, you're talking about the Falcons in a weak NFC South division, so they'll have an easier schedule, presumably, than the Chargers. I haven't looked at it specifically, but it'll be an easier road. And then you look at some of, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I overrate the veterans who are like my age, like Calais Campbell, but <laughs> Calais Campbell coming into that defensive line to be there with Grady Jarrett, I think is helpful. They bring in Bud Dupree, I, you know, but I think it's Arnold Abicady who's going to take that year two step. I like the secondary with A.J. Terrell, uh, Richie Grant, Jesse Bates coming in. Huge questions at the other cornerback spot with Jeffrey Akuda, Trey Flowers battling for time. But I think there's improvements across the board. The offensive line is solid. I mean, really solid, especially with Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, the way they played last year in that particular system. And then you get those big body playmakers with Drake London, the great Mac Hollins coming in, Scotty Miller is a deep threat, and of course Kyle Pitts. I, I like a lot, and then the whole running back situation. Right? They already produced on the ground in Atlanta last year. Tyler Algier and uh, Cordero Patterson did all the damage, most of the damage, and then you bring in B. John Robinson, who's going to be an all-everything weapon, of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, the off if Desmond Ritter just doesn't stink, I think that offense is going to be very good and very problematic for defenses to deal with their defense they threw a ton of resources at it this offseason it could be an awful lot better and then i think the flip side of that is for the chargers the kellen moore thing has to not work and by not work i mean just not find that extra 10 percent that we yeah. think is there like justin herbert has to remain 
what feels like a little bit conservative. And I forget who it was. Somebody emailed in and was sort of pointing out that essentially any time you start talking about Justin Herbert last year, you should bring up the rib thing, which is probably fair. That's like fair. Like any yeah. yards per attempt figure, any anything essentially needs to have the context of the dude played for almost the entire season with torn rib cartilage. I think it was, which I think he was really supposedly bad. healthy by week seven or eight, though. I, for that that's feels worth. like the kind of thing that's not getting back before. Anyway, Maybe. whatever. It's worth bringing up, and that's fair. Having said that, almost all of those data points pre-exist that anyway. Like, week one and two didn't, but last year did. I, so, I tend to lean on data points that are not one year. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. A few years ago with Cam Newton, they were like six. Remember the Panthers were six and two. Cam kind of got hurt, and then they landed at six and six or whatever it was, and and his grade ended up at the same place it was the previous seven years. Right. It's like it didn't matter that Cam Newton was hurt; like he played at the same level he was his entire career, basically. So it's okay to use that data. Yeah, like his average depth of target the two previous years were seven point eight and seven point nine, which is better than six point nine, but is still on the low end of right. you know what you're anticipating. Like the higher quarterbacks in the NFL are above ten. So he's still skewing conservative but even by that measure prior to last season and the rib injury and blah blah blah. Anyway, point being the Kellen Moore thing needs to not tap into this extra ten percent or whatever that we feel is there. Um, and I think their defense needs to not pull itself together. Like Brandon Staley doesn't figure it out this year, and it remains this underachieving unit that can be run on all day. Effectively, the Chargers need to not get better in addition to Atlanta getting better for this to have any shot of panning out. Want to get in on the fantasy action but sick of managing your roster? Sick of player injuries ending your season? Well, with Best Ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. To start playing best ball, you download the DraftKings app, use the code PFF, enter DraftKings' best ball millionaire contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops, no trades, no, I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF. Start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament, and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars only on DraftKings with the code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is 10 dk dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Avoid where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Ends August 9th, 2023. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, man, what else we got? I hope we have something else. So we're not, we're collectively not buying that and uh, taking the bet. I will take the bet. I just thought it was fair to lay out. Uh, I've enjoyed the Falcons offseason. I enjoy B. John Robinson as a player. I Mm -hmm. think they'll be hashtag fun to watch. Fun to watch. And I think there's a world where the Falcons have a better record than the Chargers. But I am obligated, as it is, before the season, I am obligated to buy into the Chargers hype. This is yeah. this well, is in our contract. I mean, last season should have absolutely uh, taught us that 
there's a world where pretty much anything can happen. Certainly. Apparently, there was a world where Geno Smith plays like a top 10 quarterback last year, which seemed completely unbelievable before the season. All right. It's been a while since we've done one of these. The uh, Palo Zolo Consultant GM segment. Now, we don't have, our, uh, we don't have a podium, so you're going to have to do it from your chair. But it's training camp season. Everybody's sort of working from location, you know, whether it's folding chairs out by practice, whether it's Dan Campbell giving interviews from a boardroom somewhere. So you're just going to have to do it from this chair right here. Be a little more laid back. Yeah. Did you just cut out? I don't know. Did I? Did my battery just die on this? Who knows? This? Anything's possible. Destiny provides the opportunity. Character fulfills There it is. It. It's back. Beautiful. All right. Is that my quote? No, I believe that's Kevin Costner's quote oh, okay. from that god-awful movie, Why does this Draft Day. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. This I'm one good. is from uh, Ryan O'Halloran. Hey, Sam and Steve. Recently, I was introduced to the fantastic idiom, giving the Amish a Tesla. Essentially, it means that uh, while the gift or item is generous, the receiver has no real use for it, and it's being wasted in their hands. This has brought me and my coworkers to refer to things that other teams spend money on and never use, but if our team had, would be uh, a useful item as Amish Teslas. With that in mind, Mr. Consultant General Manager Steve, as we are in the midst of training camp, imagine you are the consultant GM of a decent team, think somewhere between 8 and 10 in the power rankings, and you have a good shot at the playoffs. What players on weaker teams would you identify as the Amish Teslas that you would target in trade uh, or late camp signing following cuts that you know would work better if he was in your hands uh, and take your team to the next level? Thanks and keep up everything you guys do. Ryan. All right, so we're looking at good players on teams that aren't expected to compete. Yeah, wasted talents, effectively. Yeah. Um, it's a tricky one in football because everybody truly does believe they're going to compete, right? Like, they're all, I mean, they're all convincing themselves, this is our year, no matter what. We're going to compete, we're not going to. So sometimes you might have to, like, wait a few weeks. The first guy that comes, that comes to mind, though, or maybe a couple guys, mm-hmm. Mike Evans in the Bucks. So I know Mike Evans is, I think he wants to be a Buck for life. Seems like a good dude, willing to take a little bit less money. Um, might be closer to the downside of his career. I think regressions coming to Mike Evans within two to three years, but he's still pretty good, right? Um, and so, depending on what the Bucks feel for their prospects this year, they might not feel it in training camp, but they might, might they might feel it by week five or six. Hey, maybe we're not competing here. But Mike Evans comes to mind. I was unprepared for this question too, so like it, it takes a little mm-hmm, mm-hmm. takes research, yeah. Now to be able to do this. Um, but Mike Evans, less so Chris Godwin, I was going to throw him in there too, but it's more Evans for me um, because we, we talk a, a ton about wide receiver one, the impact, the trickle down of having that great receiver and uh, moving everybody down the depth chart. Evans is top 15, top 20. He's also he's a fascinating receiver, right? Because he's done, he's done something that the rest of the NFL hasn't done a thousand yard seasons every year, but he's not like, he's never been a top five receiver. I don't think in the NFL, he's always top 10, top 15. Um, still think he's in that boat. So Mike Evans comes to mind. Um, different. It's not so much Amish Tesla as it is. There's a, it is a great idiom, by the way. It's a great idiom, right? Like what are they going to do with that thing? Um, (laughs) what's Washington going to do with, uh, Chase Young? What are the commanders going to do with Chase Young? Not because they're not going to compete. I think they can be competitive. I think it'd be, they could be very competitive in the NFC East. More so, if they're going to look to the future on that roster, how are they going to keep 
all of those defensive linemen together. So I, I said this months ago, Chase Young, the fact that they didn't pick up that fifth-year option, the fact that they just paid Jonathan Allen a ton a couple years ago, Deron Payne a ton this offseason, and then Montez Sweat. I would call about both players. Montez Sweat is due for a contract. Chase Young will be due a contract. I would look at both of those players for Washington as a, as a defensive lineman. I think the NFL generally now is much better at not creating this kind of square peg and in a round hole thing that it used to be terrible at. And we were talking about this actually before we went on, but you know, you tweeted out the highlight real video of Tavon Austin back in West Virginia. Yeah. And it's like, it feels like the NFL should have been able to find a way to make that work, you know? And the other one of those guys that always jumps to mind is Peter Warwick. Like Peter Warwick in today's NFL, I'm, I'm almost certain is a much better player than he would have been, than he was when he came out, teams just didn't understand what to do with that. And we were talking about LeVar Arrington. It's like, was he actually a kind of Micah Parsons player, but went to a team that just didn't fully appreciate that and basically just asked him to be a conventional off-the-ball linebacker? And he was okay at that, but he wasn't as good as he should have been given his you know draft status and, and what he was expected to be coming out. Like I think generally it still happens, but league-wide the, the – the NFL is much better at not doing that now. Like, they're so much better at just not taking a guy, <laughs> just pounding him into this position where you don't really fit here, but it's the closest thing we have, so let's make it work. Now, you know, you can find example like Isaiah Simmons, right? It took him a while to figure out what they're doing wrong there. But I think they've at least gotten to a point where they now understand what Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons should be in the NFL and are working to do that. Hassan Reddick, same thing. Like, we tried to make him into an off-the-ball linebacker. Didn't really work. Let's put him back at what he should do. So it's, I'm not saying they're great at it. it. It still, you know, doesn't happen at all. But I think generally teams are better at it now, and they fix it quicker than they used to. So what I'm saying is I don't know that there's that – like, if you did this in the early 2000s, I think you could think of, like, 15 of these guys. Now it's a little bit more difficult to identify, like, obvious square peg in, in a round hole. You're players. looking at it differently. I mean, the, the the premise, though, was not so much bad scheme fits, though. It was really like which teams have good players, but they're not going to compete. And yeah, that's, but... That's but, like finding teams who either clearly aren't going to compete or don't believe they're going to compete at this time of year is rare, is is difficult to Sure, do. but the Amish Tesla... I get Tesla, what you're saying, too, yeah. The Amish Tesla concept, to me, is also a lot... Like, another way of articulating that is, you know, a square peg in a round hole. Like, you yeah. have a player that simply doesn't work correctly in sure. whatever you're trying to do, but is actually a really valuable commodity somewhere else, you know? Like, if Micah Par- if you had seen flashes of Micah Parsons as an edge defender, and then you're like, nah, we, we drafted him as an off-ball linebacker. He's right. playing linebacker. Like, if he, yeah, if, if the Dallas Cowboys had persisted in making Micah Parsons an off-the-ball linebacker, and he hadn't improved at that, you know, in the couple of years um, that he's played so far, which is flashes of brilliance, you know, good, but we're not talking about, like, a defensive player of the year, Hall of Fame candidate already that would be an obvious candidate for, like, you're wasting what this guy could be. He's a way better, you know, edge rusher. So he would be a candidate for that, I think. Uh, The one other couple names I'll highlight, because we've talked about the Arizona Cardinals probably not competing this year. So who, which good players could we take off the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, DJ Humphreys, if you are in need. Josh Jones. (sighs) Yeah. Josh Jones, maybe as a 
Left tackle. I mean, I, yeah, as a left, he's going to have to get paid if you're if you're going to. It would be like an Andre Dillard situation with the Titans, a guy that we've only seen a little bit. Josh Jones did play very well last year, played well at left tackle. So Josh Jones, DJ Humphreys, if you want to go for uh, a player that with a little bit more of a track record, because they just drafted Paris Johnson, and Paris Johnson Jr. can, of course, play left tackle whenever. And they have the great Kelvin Beecham there at right tackle. Um, and then Buda Baker, maybe at safety. I mean, there are teams out there that do not have a good left tackle for who Josh Jones would upgrade. You know, a guy that. I think it's probably going to end up getting shuffled back into a position he hasn't shown any ability to play so far, but has shown that he can play left tackle at a high level. I, would, I think he's a perfect candidate for is better elsewhere, essentially. Two things I need to touch on before Mike Sando gets here. Three things that actually need Three to occur things. before Mike Sando gets here. Okay. I need to tell our listeners, I ran into, because our millions and millions will appreciate this, mm-hmm. I ran into a family that is very good friends with the great Alejandro Villanueva. Metaphorically. You didn't, like, mow over a family. I did not, like, I didn't run them over. No, gotcha. I, um, communicated with a family that is very good friends with uh, Ali Villanueva. So mm-hmm. that was an exciting, while I was uh, gone for, for multiple weeks, that random thing happened, and I was excited. <laughs> and it was, you know, if they had mentioned any other NFL player, I would have said, oh, yeah, that's cool, you know? Yeah. But they mentioned the NFL player where I'm like, we have a whole shtick around him. We call him the great. We think he's awesome. I said he should go on every team, and he's, you know, he's great. So that was fun. That was one thing okay. that needs to happen. The second thing that needs to happen is mm-hmm. if you haven't heard already, Sam, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure that we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, it has everything you need to prepare for that summer bod. They've built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It's also waterproof. Beach, lake, shower, doesn't matter. This razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. You get the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. So what are you waiting for? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. Codes PFF at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get in on get on board or get left behind. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Now, those got squeezed into the podcast the other day. I wonder where. Loved that email that we got in saying that somebody had bought Manscaped purely down to our reads. You, me, and Trev. Trev got a shout-out as well. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's that's great. It's good stuff. I mean, the I mean, we've waxed forever about the travel bag, but I have like two of those things still. Uh, the beard trimmer is awesome. You wouldn't know so much about that with your don't need the beard. Yeah, not we just clean shaven, but you know, I designer keep, uh, stubble is that what we're doing? Designer stubble. With? Yeah. Yeah. One week, one day a week shave. Ah, see, we got Mike. Is can he hear us? Because I was I was gonna <laughs> say between us, Sam, should we reveal the game that we play? The spot Sando. We yeah. should definitely tell him about Spot Sando. Oh, okay. I can I can hear you. What's uh, up, Mike? How's man, it going? We, 
Yeah, good. When, especially when you said we've waxed forever, I'm like you're waxing also. In addition to manscaping. Oh, that's you heard impressive. our you uh, heard our great read. That's yeah. that's. I'm sure they're going to release some kind of wax strips on top. Like they've got everything else, Mike. Why wouldn't they? I remember when waxing. the manscaping thing first started, and I was asked to read it for something. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Now it's mainstreamed, you know. <laughs> we've we've purposely run uh, leaned into being as awkward as possible <laughs> with all of it. So don't forget, you can get twenty percent awesome. off as well, Mike, with uh, the promo but, code yeah. PFF. We were saying it's working. We got an email in to say from from a listener who said that they bought a whole raft of Manscaped stuff just because of our reads. So it's perfect. Hey, and as we get older, you're like, is that hair in my ear? You know, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> they've, they've got it. They've got everything. Um, so Mike Sando yeah. from The Athletic, appreciate you joining us. Um, before we get into the QB tiers and your annual article, um, Sam, have we ever told uh, Sando the game that we, that we play at the Combine? I don't I think may so. Have. I may have. Maybe. I don't remember. We haven't told the listeners, so it's... No. Mike, no. you're everywhere at the Combine. You work hard. <laughs> You were everywhere at the combine, so Sam and I were like, "Man, I ran into Sando again." Everywhere, like the lobby at you know the JW, <laughs> and then you're at the combine, and then you're at St. Elmo's, and it's like coming out of the elevator. So we started keeping track of how many times we saw you, and we have a little contest going. Yeah. So, just <laughs> that so you know, is hilarious! Wow, you're uh, everywhere. You're you get, just everywhere. You get points, and then the more obscure the place is that we spot you, the more points is involved. So we were like, when we went to Colts camp the other day, we're like, if you spot Sando at this Colts camp just randomly the same day that we show up, that's worth a lot of points. Huge that's points. And and usually, so I'm not making it, to, I may not make it to Colts this summer, but that's usually one of my mainstays because I'll fly into Chicago and then you can make that drive down, you know, the Indy, you can hit all these camps, but I'm actually doing a Southeast and Southwest uh, here coming up. So you're going to miss me in Indy. Well, and we actually did run into you the last time we went to Colts camp four or five years ago when they had joint practice with the Browns. You were there for that one. I was. Uh, my favorite one from this year was at the Super Bowl. I it took me three days, but I finally found like a special green room that we were allowed access to, and you were in there with uh, Arthur Blank, yeah, doing an interview. And I'm like, I, right? And I'm so, like, that, yeah. that was a lot of. And points. I didn't even know Arthur Blank, and and uh, there was some opportunity there, and they were like. Uh, Hey, you know, he's Arthur Blank's only got a couple minutes. We ended up sitting there for like a half an hour. It was he was totally into all the uh, you know analysis and data stuff. You know, he loves it, so it was, it was really fun. I haven't talked to him since, but it was memorable. That's awesome. So we we encourage our listeners to you know find Sando and uh, let mm. us know <laughs> if you see Mike Sando. So you're at the Athletic and you write this. Give us a little background on this article, the yeah. uh, the QB tears. Mm-hmm. So ten years ago, when I was at ESPN, actually. Uh, you know, we is when we first started doing the quarterback tiers, and it was really came from my curiosity of how the league sees the position because I was really at that time, you know, really, really getting into the, st- the statistical side. Uh, ESPN was putting out total QBR, and I was kind of one of the evangelists for the analytics department at uh, ESPN, bunch of great people there who I'm still friends with. And I was very curious and like, okay, is, is, the QBR is that capturing you know exactly what we're talking about, and so it really led me to, uh, you know, what is it that you were that the teams value and are looking for in the quarterback position? So you know that led to the kind of the definition of tier one, which has evolved a little bit, but I would say for the last seven eight years has been the same. You know, kind of carry the ability to carry your team each week, uh, but importantly also having a, uh, an ability to handle the peer pass situations, which are. You know, when 
the running game melts away and and you know it's really on you to win from the pocket i think there's still a real belief and probably a, a correct belief in the league that that's a differentiator and so sometimes we see some of these talented quarterbacks tiptoe right up to uh tier one like lamar jackson after he was mvp uh and not quite get over into that and so when you look at tier one now it's patrick mahomes joe burrow josh allen aaron Rodgers slipped but is still holding on and then there's some debate over whether justin herbert belongs there based on the team success but uh you know certainly he's probably one of the few things that they've had going well there in the last couple of years it's not their defense so that's really where we go and i i talked to you know, 50 people in the league. We had eight GMs and 10 head coaches. I think I had 15 coordinators, 10 other sort of front office personnel types, uh, and then a number of other coaches, a few people from analytics backgrounds uh, uh, as well. And we blend it all, all together uh, and come up with an average tier for each guy. And they're pretty much listed in that order from Patrick Mahomes down to I had Gardner Minshew in there because we don't do rookies yeah. uh, uh, in there. It's just too hard. I mean, not enough people have seen him. You know how hard it is to project from college. It's hard enough to project what Justin Fields is going to do next year, let alone Bryce Young. How um, how problematic has that delineation between Tier 1 and Tier 2 become with all these sort of rushing quarterbacks now, right? Guys who yeah. are actually – architects of the run game as opposed to just beneficiaries of it you know players like justin yeah. uh, fields jalen hurts lamar jackson like these guys actually are the foundation of the run game as opposed to just uh benefiting from the fact that the run yeah. game is really strong so it becomes a lot more difficult to say well what if that part fails because it involves a team sort of actively taking away part of their strength and part of their skill set Yes, I think that component gets gets these guys only so far in the absence of, you know, some really good passing ability. And I think so far that it feels like it's been that way on the field too, right? We're not seeing a bunch of uh, limited passer quarterbacks who are excellent runners uh, winning Super Bowls, right? They might get there if they have a top five defense or, you know, we, we certainly saw like a Colin Kaepernick get there with a great defense, but there's still a belief that to get over the hump into the top, you've got to be able to win from the pocket more consistently than some of those guys have been able to do. Uh, do you do you agree with that? Is that how you would you have the cutoff there? Because it does get some confusion. We'll have people say, "How in the heck is this guy not tier one?" Cam Newton was that way once. The whole offense runs through him. How's he not tier one? And you end up trying to sort of defend, uh, you, you know, the definition. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a fair argument, but I think it gets tricky when so it's easier to sort of it's easier to say, well, if we take away the run game from, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or Justin Herbert or whoever, um, we know that they can survive just as a pure passer. But I think it's a much more difficult idea to say, well, if we take away the run game of the Eagles or the Ravens, which is sort of built largely off the back of Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Like, what can they do solely from the pocket when that thing doesn't exist? Because it's almost impossible to take that away. Um, so it feels like we're sort of robbing those guys of a degree of credit that the other quarterbacks don't yeah. get anyway because they're not – you can't build that off them. The, you, you situationally, though, take that away when when the game becomes hardest for the quarterback, which is when you have to pass. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Cam Newton argument, um, I, I, he was just a fascinating QB for years because I don't think – I think he only had one year of actual really good production, his MVP season. I thought every other year from a production standpoint, from a PFF grade standpoint, he was fine. He was good. He was an above-average quarterback. Whether it ran through him or not – there was no real production to look to, unless you just looked at like rushing touchdowns. But that's but just overall offensive production. Cam Newton was good, not great. I think the tricky part is Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. They're leading high-end offenses at various points in their career, and how much are they influencing the run game? To, you know, to to the discussion yeah. we're having right now. So, it's a tricky I, yeah. one. And I think Jalen Hurts really. There is a case for tier one this year. The way these voters often work is, hey, that's great. Let's see him do it another see it again. year. You yeah. know. Uh, uh, the, the, you don't n- normally see somebody just rocketing up or down. Even a Russell Wilson had this horrible year. He fell into tier three. Yeah, probably a tier four guy last year. So there's a little bit of a they don't they don't overreact. But I think Hertz uh, will get into tier one if he has a similar season this year. I think they people feel like he does pass it well enough now. He's getting there. I, I like the little history that you show there. And so like two of the interesting quarterbacks to me are Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. And uh, you know when I've ranked quarterbacks. Or, you know, it, whether it's officially or just on the podcast or in my head over the last few years, I'm like, well, Matthew Stafford's probably QB 10 of his era, you know, throughout you know the last yeah. 10 years or whatever. Are there points where he's going to play top five ball? Absolutely. There's points where Stafford plays top three ball. He's incredible at times. Um, and Dak is very similar where he's kind of fluctuated with the supporting cast. But now the Burroughs and the Herberts, I think, have absolutely surpassed him. So both of Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford are in tier two. They seem like the clear, yeah, they are tier two type of guys. Is that uh, is that your take on yeah. that? Do you agree with the evaluation? Absolutely. I have felt over the years when people have asked me to, like, if I'm gonna, if I'm meeting a coach or explaining the tiers to a coach, I would say, hey, you know, historically, a Matt Ryan, a Matt Stafford, those have been your tier two guys, and I think in any given year, with the right circumstances, they can perform like a tier one. Like if you get, you know, a good offensive line in Atlanta with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan can be the MVP. Absolutely. But he's not going to probably do that consistently every year. And I feel the same way about Stafford. Uh, Dak has been right there in Tier 2, kind of, I don't know if stuck is the world, but word, it's a good place to be. I mean, you're going to, I feel like this, the top two tiers for the most part, you feel like you can probably get to the Super Bowl and, and maybe win the Super Bowl without having the 2000 Ravens defense, right? With, right. with just a good team around you. And so uh, that's really where you want to be. If you if your guy's in Tier 3, I think a lot of things have to be special around you. It's Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that some of these quarterbacks in your Tier 2, like there's a decent chunk of these respondents who have them in Tier 1, right? Like Lamar Jackson, I think, what is it, 8 or 10 guys had him. Uh, he had eight, in, 8 for him, 10 for Jalen Hurts. Right. 3 um, for... Trevor Lawrence, there's a fair, there's some people betting on Trevor this year that I didn't sense that a year ago. No, I, I don't think anybody. Oh, the did second a year half ago. of the year, I mean, I, I, I could see people being like, oh, light, light switch flipped, boom, he's there. I could see people saying yeah. he'll, he'll be. I could see him being tier one next year, much like I, I assume evaluators would as well. Um, from our perspective, when you hear sort of quotes, and this happens at draft time a lot, but you hear these sort of anonymous quotes, right? Scouting quotes and whatever. And sure. from our perspective, a lot of them are generally sort of, it's more us ridiculing the crazy anonymous quotes that come our way. <laughs> but I'm curious oh, yeah. at this. Kirk Cousins, I think, 
the one thing almost everybody in the world would agree on with Kirk Cousins is he belongs firmly in Tier 2. And no matter what your definition is, that's where he is. He's not Tier 1. He's better than Tier 3. He is the definition of a Tier 2 quarterback. But I'm curious, when you're talking to these guys, do they have any particularly good way of articulating why? Because it can be very difficult to pin down exactly what it is about Kirk Cousins that like locks him so firmly into that area. So he in the quarterback tiers, he's always been a guy straddling two and three, you know. And I think that uh, literally twenty-five are, and twenty-five. Sorry, yeah, Mike. Yeah, and, twenty-five uh, two and twenty-five three for votes this year. Yeah, exactly. He's exactly so, and he's been in recent years. He's actually been in the top of three. So you know, I think that people have felt as though he sort of uh, wilts under pressure. To I don't mean just the pressure of like the primetime thing. I mean like when when it's in the, the rush is in his face. He's not necessarily the guy you want, uh, uh, you know, in there, and he's not going to create anything beyond the play uh, on his own. But I think he's seen as a a really proficient passer when things are are right. Probably, probably better than most of the guys in tier three in his ability to pass. But then he's going to confound you. Uh, and one of the examples in this piece was I thought one of the great quotes I thought in it was. This is Kirk, this is Kirk Cousins. I mean, leads maybe the greatest comeback in the history of the league, and then on the final play in the pl- playoff game on fourth and eight, he throws a four yard check down to a guy who's going to get tackled right away, and that's the frustration. Did Did you watch that quarterback documentary, the the Netflix thing? I it's on my list. I'm going to. I have heard it's really makes him look good, and and people, uh, you know, think it's might improve his image. Yeah, it does. And I don't think it's necessarily just that. I think any any sort of in depth thing with Kirk Cousins, I tend to come away like more, at least more intrigued by him than um, I was before I started. And the reason I bring it up is because that documentary kind of runs through that play. And it's sort of like, because obviously at the time, everyone's like, well, this is Kirk Cousins in a nutshell. Like, what is he doing? Throwing his check down, no chance of working out. And Cousins kind of says, he sort of brings you through his mindset and you, you see the play again. And he was like, well, the pressure was coming through. Like he had to get rid of the ball when he did. There was no extra time involved there. Certainly not with his degree of escapability. The ball needed to come out. And he said, and, you know, Justin Jefferson on that side was double teamed, and he essentially made the split-second calculation that there's a better chance Hawkinson breaks a tackle, you know, four yards short of the line and gets the first down than there is Justin Jefferson coming down with this double-team, you know, covered play. Either way, the ball's got to come out immediately. And you can kind of say, okay, at the minimum – that's a reasonable, uh, you know, supposition well, to come to well, in all, that uh, situation. Yeah. All of these guys can explain it all perfectly. They can all tell their coaches exactly why they did what they did. Right. And Derek Carr is another one uh, who can have the exact perfect explanation for why he threw it out of bounds on fourth down <laughs> uh, when they were down by four points. You know, I mean, they, but the, those are the guys who do it. Uh, th- that's like the definite. I always describe tier, tier three as the the guy you're. When, if you're watching a game with an eye on Twitter, you're within a 60 minute game. You're gonna have somebody saying this guy's over. Jimmy Garoppolo's underrated. Look at his stats. Jimmy Gar- Jared Goff is underrated. Took a team to the Super Bowl. Look at his stats. And then you're gonna have someone else saying, well, there's Jared Goff. Just threw a pick. There's Jimmy Garoppolo. He just turned it over in the red zone. Tier three. Yeah. I like that tier three is bigger. Uh, that it, tier three just makes sense to me. Because they're the people I think I argue with fans uh, about the most. Well, 
Because they're the ones who are so dependent on what's around them that what's around them can really make them look good or bad. Yes. And then everyone looks at the results, right? I mean, you put... I, that's why I love Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> has been living in a blessed world with the 49ers. If you go over the last five years... They are sixth in the league in defense special teams EPA. The the Raiders are 32nd. So he's going to go from this Kyle Shanahan offense that's really talented and takes the pressure off of the quarterback without a heavy drop back pass volume. And by the way, the defense just keeps the score down for the other team, and Jimmy's going to win 70% of the games. Now he's going to go somewhere. He's going to live in Derek Carr's world. Derek Carr over the last 10 years has probably been similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, but he doesn't win any games. The one year that, that Derek Carr had even mid defense special teams, they went 12 and four with uh, Jack Del Rio. The rest of the time, he's just going uphill and that's what Jimmy's going to go do. And so I'll be fascinated to see what Garoppolo's record is. I guarantee it's not going to be what it was with the 49ers because of the support. Even just his stats generally, like Kyle Shanahan has, uh, you know, decade-plus history of just elevating quarterbacks statistically. Um, Josh McDaniels could still be a good offensive coordinator, but we haven't seen it a lot outside of Tom Brady. So that will be fascinating to yeah. watch. One one of my questions, Mike, is um, could you just – could you send me all of the answers? I mean, that's uh, that's what I'm, like, mostly interested in. You've done this for 10 years. The actual quotes and the answers, I, how much – how much information do you get, and has has that information changed through the years? Do you feel like GMs and executives are getting smarter? Or do, are they still like this guy just wins and therefore he's a two? What what are the answers like, and how have you seen those change through the years? Yeah, I, well, I think sometimes you can you're going to get a different type of answer based on the position the person is in. I think uh, you know uh, peer personnel people are probably a little bit more into traits, and I think sometimes the offensive play callers or quarterback coaches have a specific type of quarterback that they favor or style of play. I think that's evolving. I do think that now we're seeing these staffs change and say, hey, you know what, we're going to run the offense for Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields. I think that's a good thing. I do think there's an evolution that's giving some of these players that aren't perfect or have a certain style a better chance to probably succeed. So I think the group is smart, you know, and, and I I can tell when you talk to as many people as I do, you can tell right away if someone doesn't know, right? If someone just doesn't know. Uh, uh, and I talk to the people that I try to talk to people. That, no, I've, I've excluded from the survey before ones where I was just like, okay, this guy's got, it's way too, way too many he's way too easy of a grader or something, you know, you're just like, okay, I'm not going back to that because um, he doesn't get it. You know, that's rare though. I think a very high percentage of them really have a, a good feel for how it all fits together and how dependent guys are on the other components that really help the team win. You're not seeing people say Joe Flacco's elite, like that funny conversation <laughs> used to be, right? That just doesn't exist anymore. But the I, league still paid, but the Ravens still paid him the most money at at one point too. So like there, there is this well, disconnect sometimes. Well, well, no, I mean that's like, a supply a and demand issue, though. Daniel I know. Jones, like yeah. it's really what options are available no, to it. you that determines the price.
I, uh, I love that you had the contingency in there of what if Tom Brady does it again and unretires and comes back and you polled everybody on Tom Brady just in case that was going to happen. Um, where did Tom Brady, where would Tom Brady have come on this list? And uh, yeah. what does that sort of tell you at the age of 46 that he would still be there? Happy birthday to Tom today, by the way, he turns 46. Yes. So I don't start doing this till after the draft because you're worried about doing 50 surveys and then having not having the right quarterback in there, right? You have to let these things settle. So in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't believe you, Brady. You might, uh, <laughs> if the right thing comes along, Fool I'm putting Brady in there. And sometimes the people that were responding would be like, oh, you got Brady. And they'd start laughing. Like, you got Brady in here, huh? You think he's coming back? So Brady got, uh, he would be at the top of tier two, just a two hundredths of a average tier vote ahead of Jalen Hurts. He had 16 votes in tier one, 27 in tier two, seven in tier three. So, you know, his reputation and what he's established over the years is why he would have 16 tier ones. I don't think it was just a pure eval of last season. Um, it's probably a little higher than I thought he would be, but people also understand that, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a rough year for him in a lot of ways. I mean, he had the divorce. He lost a ton of money in the crypto investments. Uh, the the bucks were on the wrong side of it. They lost his center. It just, it was falling apart kind of around him, everything. And I think people feel like he can still throw it well enough and he can still make all the right decisions that if he was in a good situation, he'd upgrade a lot of these teams. Yeah, I think that's probably fair too because you know when you saw Drew Brees decline and you saw Peyton Manning decline, you saw it physically. Even before it, it like really fell off, yeah. you saw something physically. There wasn't. I mean, Brady missed more throws last year than he did previously, but there was nothing yeah. physically that like he was still chucking it, still throwing with velocity. It was just everything was off um, production wise, yeah. which is why it would be interesting if he did have a good situation this year or a better situation, if he could bounce back at the age of 46 and still keep it going. And he, and he also kept well, it going like in crunch time. You talk about when it's time to pass. It was when they're running no huddle and trying to make comebacks, Tom took over the offense and still showed he could execute. Like if, if he was with the Patriots right now, they would have a better chance, right? Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah, it's and, I, mean, and I don't yeah. think Mac Jones is bad. Right? Mac Jones is kind of streaky, and yeah. he'll complete some passes, but I still think Brady has more of that let's take over the team than Mac it's, Jones does. It's crazy that at the age of 46, you know, you can, can you can still construct the argument that Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. What we witnessed last year was a result of, like, the supporting cast and everything around him kind of crumbling in much the same way as we did for Aaron Rodgers last year, you know, who's years further behind in terms of age, but it's the same idea. Like, for the first time, he didn't have Devontae Adams, and therefore his PFF grade tumbled, you know, 15 points, that kind of thing. Like, Brady is in that same category at 46. So yeah, and I think it's, you know, these guys do have ups and downs. So they've been so good and so automatic for so long, but you are going to have an off season. And I, I do love the fact that in the tiers voting, they don't just overreact. I think right. that's the best part about it. Usually the pushback I get on this is, why isn't this guy already in tier one or whatever? And it's like, right. okay, just wait a year. He'll yeah. do it again. And then a year later, when the guy falls off, no one says, <laughs> no one says, oh, that was sure good that he didn't make it, right? Yeah. Everyone wants the instant thing. So for a guy like Brady... Yeah, he slipped some, but he's still pretty good. This is scary. I might ask the chat for questions. we got about five more minutes, four no. minutes here with uh, with Mike Sando. So we'll see if the chat comes up with anything good. 
You think yeah. so? Hmm. No. I'm just looking Risky. through this list too to see what who else would be interesting. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Justin Fields. I think that's an interesting one. Um, you know, in terms of do you, so kind of the entire tier three follow the path. Well, yeah. so your tier four is essentially a, a catch-all for like unproven guys. You know, the guys we don't have yeah. enough sample size on. Are there guys that respond to their who really want to go to bat for one of these sort of unproven guys? You know, somebody who buys into the six games of Brock Purdy looking like a superstar, or you know, Kenny Pickett yeah. is the answer, but the Steelers are going to let him down. That kind of thing. So yesterday, um, I we recorded the football GM podcast at the athletic and my partner, there's Randy Mueller, you know, he's 35 years as an evaluator, former GM and executive of the year. And he flagged two guys. He he said he would put, or maybe three. I think he would have Purdy Pickett and Jordan love higher. He thinks those, he thinks Pickett should solidly be in tier three. I think he's going to be really, uh, you know, a good player. And he was higher on Jordan love too, which I don't know. There's not a lot uh, to go off of on that, but right. um, I think those are three guys between Purdy, Pickett, and Love that some might put uh, a little bit higher than where they are. That's and, and then you might say like Sam Howell and Ritter, you know, and what are they doing? You know, what are the teams doing? It'd be hard to bet on those guys. That's interesting because all uh, Purdy, Pickett, and um, Jordan Love. Jordan Love is basically like a traits projection. Purdy, we saw him in Shanahan's system. And then Pickett, I thought, did some really nice things in a system that was the opposite of Shanahan's system. And so they're all, yeah, Yeah. that whole tier three concept, right? You see how dependent, like Ryan Tannehill was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league for a couple years, but you're calling him tier three. Geno Smith had a great year last year. Tier three, Daniel Jones, I think all that makes sense. Um, Charles in the chat asks, most surprising answers on QB votes. Anything that stood out to you as, as most surprising in this process? Yeah. So the most surprising thing to me was that uh, there was kind of defenses of Kyler Murray. I felt like Kyler Murray was one of those guys who could have been really vulnerable to getting pummeled in this thing this year, you know, with the uh, questions of his leadership and, and work ethic and Patrick Peterson and the contract clause and all of that. And instead, um, you know, I think people pointed out the uh, culpability of Arizona as an organization, too. Uh, and so Kyler Murray did slip, but he's at the very top of Tier 3, and people were, you know, questioning his future, obviously, whether they, they might draft somebody or how's he going to play after the ACL. But I thought it was a little kind to him and possibly a little kind to Matt Stafford, too. People didn't just close the door on him based on where the Rams are or where he's at in his career and injuries and all that. Still a tier one vote for Kyler Murray. Somebody out there still still clinging on those, to that. Those are that was my those, those are my favorite things though. Like that's a total outlier. I totally disagree with it. Right. But I love that because I included the quote from the guy in there. He goes, look, when he was healthy, when this team was in the playoffs, you can't name another reason besides him. It wasn't the coaching staff they fired. It wasn't the defense. It wasn't the run game. It wasn't the offensive line. It was his ability to take over and win games. And so I, I value that perspective, even though I would totally disagree and never would put him in tier one. <laughs> well, similarly, like Jared Goff getting 17 tier two votes. And we said tier two is a pretty good spot to be in. 17 executives are basically like, yeah, Jared Goff should be paid like a top 10 quarterback, theoretically, right? Because that's it. And most of us, I think, agree he's you know qb 15 to 20 or whatever it might be yeah there are some people who really defend him and i think 
where this stuff gets muddied is guys who've been in the extreme situations. So Jared Goff comes in with Jeff Fisher, and it's the worst possible situation. Right. Yeah. Then they invest in their team, McVay. Wow, he's great. Then it falls off, and Goff gets blamed. Not McVay. Goff gets blamed. They ship him to Detroit. It's kind of a bad situation. Now it's a good situation. Right. Good offensive line. Uh, but p- now people give Ben Johnson the credit. And some of the guys who defend Goff are like, well, what does Goff have to do? When does he get the credit? Uh, and there's some yeah. of that. There was a little bit of that with like a Tua Tungabaloa who yeah. is in a terrible situation early. And now it's all set up for him. How do you give that credit out when there's a lot of places it could go? Well, always love this process, Mike. It's it's great because you have it's it's not just your own list. There's 50 different voters in there. Tell everybody where they could read the uh, the QB tiers. Absolutely at the Athletic, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do, and we do discussing this. It's really my favorite thing to do every year. Um, and then we're going to ask our listeners. You guys can also play. Where's Sando? So if you guys uh, <laughs> see Mike on the road at training camp, send us a picture. Yeah. More points for the most obscure place. You see him out at a restaurant. <laughs> Um, no bathroom pictures or anything yeah, like Peter King stop. had. You want to stop? <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you for we'll that. We'll not get too crazy here, but we're going to continue to play Where is Sando? Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you joining <laughs> us, man. Hey, thanks. Sure, appreciate it. Look at that. Brought somebody on. We were yeah. live. I like that. Inciting people of just stalking the poor man. Yeah. But not in the bathroom. That's a good, those I mean, a definite good clarification. Those are negative points. You get positive points right up until the point you're committing crimes, and then it becomes negative. It's starting to become clear to me, our friend Peter King here, um, and his lack of boundaries, yeah. generally. Because the two, our, two of our favorite stories <laughs> are not only did he have the random picture of Neil from 2012 training camp yeah. at the urinal. Yeah. You know, Subsequently like, deleted, finally. <laughs> finally deleted. Not only did he have that picture... But we also did see him at the PFF party at St. Elmo's yeah. pulled Rich Eisen into the bathroom to get an exclusive interview in the bathroom for his podcast again. Yeah, but that's how. But how do you become the, the top NFL? I mean, look, reporter? that doesn't happen by accident. You got to take the opportunity when it's there, and if it's there next to a bathroom stall, that's where it is. <laughs> you don't get to choose the place. And uh, yeah, so we we believe in full honesty here on the podcast. So we had to. There's tell. a. There's definitely a certain you know. I don't know if you can learn this or if it's just a type of person that has this attitude, but like the ability to not care about ordinary social boundaries. Yeah. So like you and I are standing there eight feet from Gardner Minshew, who, you know, we may or may not have done some stuff with him at PFF yeah. as a company. And we're like, yeah. oh, should we say hi? Like, you know, he's going to talk to somebody else. No, that, that would be rude. We can't do that. We're just... You know, I didn't want to bother if Gardner. We, yeah, if yeah. we catch his eye, we'll give him, you know, like a nod or whatever. We can't go and interrupt him. And then you've got like Sando and Peter King out there going, you know, if you'd mind, if you wouldn't mind while you're taking a leak, if you could just answer a couple of questions here, you know? Right. And then when it's he, not me, man. No, when, I can't. I, I don't have that in me. When I was in the, when I was in the green room. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Maybe. When I was at the green room at Sloan. I mean, I'm the guy, I just kind of like stand there. You know, people want to talk to me. So Bill James was there. I did kind of go up to Bill James to talk to him, you know, yeah. which was cool. Um, Daryl Morey's there. I went up and talked to him. But there was a guy in the room, like Robert Kraft rolled through there at one point and executives from all these teams and whatever it was. There was one guy who just literally talked to everybody and introduced himself. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, buddy. But it was, I was impressed by the aggressiveness there that I don't, that I don't have. Well, there's two parts of it. There's, there's, in fact, three. There's, do you have the confidence to just start introducing yourself to random-ass people who, let's be honest, do not give a crap, right? Hi, I'm Sam from PFF. 
good for you, right? So that's number one. Can you get over that initial hurdle? And that's the difficult enough one to get over in the first place. Then there's now what happens if there's a conversation already going on and you want to talk to the guy? Oh, this guy went right into these conversations. Can you just yes. dive headfirst into these conversations? Be like, hey, I know that you're, you know, Bill James talking to Bill yeah. Polian or whatever, but I have something to say, right? Yeah. That's a hell of a thing to be able to achieve. I, and then there's number three. What happens if it's in the restroom? Can you just dive right in while the guy is taking a piss and be like, hey, I'm never going to get to speak to you again. So, hi, I'm Sam. Yeah, the I might. I can get past number one, just about right. I can. I've reached the point now, where I have, I can can get over the self-importance that it takes to just say, "Hi, I want to talk to you." I can't get past the next two. Like Small if you're having a conversation, the, the social etiquette is overwhelming to me, where I can't just say, "I'm butting into your conversation to say hi," and I'm certainly not doing it. You know, if you're in the bathroom or whatever. I, the my what I did in the green room. I think the green room. Uh, protocol was you kind of I think you're allowed to like overhear things sure you know yeah so if Bill James starts talking about football or something like, mm, right I know football that's Let a reasonable get, you know. so I right. would do some overhearing so I think you're supposed to <laughs> eavesdrop basically yeah, yeah, yeah. in those situations right. like an accepted but, eavesdropping but there was a guy I don't know if he listens to us now because I gave him the podcast information back then because again he exchanged information with everybody because he was very aggressive mm. but he would just oh, go into hey I'm Johnny from Atlanta and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and it's like and the person's like, hi, I'm a billionaire. I don't have time to talk to you. Right. But no, he, in he interjected into every conversation, and I appreciate that aggressiveness. I was more of a eavesdropping. No, I think it's reasonable if there's like a – yeah, there, there's a sort of accepted protocol of like this is a – it's almost a public conversation here. And if you happen to be hearing it and have something to say, that's a, that's a good in. That's a good like socially acceptable way to butt your way into the conversation as opposed to just – I want to talk to you, and I don't really care that you're involved in this one. Let's start a new conversation. When we were at that uh, party a couple of years ago, I, this, I feel like I hate these shows when people do this, but we were at that you know, <laughs> event a couple of years ago, you know, agents and GMs and execs everywhere and stuff, and they're all talking, yeah. and it's like, okay, like I'll talk to people that I know, right. which we did, but do I just go jump into conversations between GM, X, and Y? You know, yeah. like, no, probably not. Right. Not doing that. Some people might. I think it's easier. It's, it's another one of these classic examples in life where, like, the more important you are, the easier it is for this kind of thing. Because the more important you are, the more ready people are to talk to you. But isn't right? that the beauty? Like, you know, with my size and everything. But just act like, you, That's act like you're important right. enough. No, I know. Act but, like you own the place. But it's a classic example of, like, the people that need that in the most are the people that don't yeah. have, like, the recognition. Like, you know. We we could talk to various GMs, or and theoretically they'd have an interest in what we have to say, PFF, blah blah. blah yeah. But they don't know who we are. They don't care, right? But we. But like, if you're another GM, doesn't matter what you have to say because they're like, ah, oh, it's you know whatever. Yeah. Let's talk to him. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So I'm I'm open to any advice. You guys can email us too. Any advice on those social situations on how to overcome yeah. social norms? But we were joking about the the red line. We're going back to the red line the red at line. Colts camp, and we were like, what would Peter King do? Just walk right he the would, hell over it. Yeah, so I'm just gonna go right into the huddle here, and you know, <laughs> let me. I'm Peter, Peter King, NBC. Yeah. You know, he would just get right into. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can be in the huddle. Would I can he, get these play. I'm doing a story on the huddle. Right. I'm allowed to. Would he even acknowledge the security guy trying to get him off the line, or no. would he just walk right, like I walk right past? Literally, him. not even pretend the red line isn't yeah. even there. Just head right onto where you want to be. Yeah. And, and then if he dare, got questioned, dare that guy to even make a deal out of it. 
hey, Peter King, NBC Sports, I'm doing a, an exclusive story on the huddle, which goes back to the 60s. And I, I'm not in my good Peter King voice no, it's not, area. It's, it's not, not my good. best. It's not great. But, um, but that's what he would do. Yeah. And we appreciate Peter uh-huh. for that. Whereas the aggressive nature. We, and we whereas we're, we toe the line. We take a step towards the red line. The guys immediately like stare at us down. Yeah. They're like, go on. Take, yeah. a, take one more step. So that's what we're dealing with over here. That's what we're dealing with. Anyway, we appreciate everybody. This is a great, uh, a great show. Go check out Sando's uh, QB tiers. Yeah, well. and before we let the people go, we have to tell them about the uh, the great chance to win goodies, prizes, fabulous prizes to be won. Um, you can get you and a friend getting a VIP treatment of any Sunday night football game this season. So you get to be Chris's uh, personal guests. It's Sunday Night Football, a Sunday Night Football of your choice, and a PFF Plus subscription for life. All you have to do is submit your fantasy punishment video. And if your video wins, all of that can be yours. Uh, You can find it on PFF's Twitter account. Um, We're scrolling the details on the screen right there as well. But you've seen, like, all these videos, you know, this guy, oh, this guy lost the uh, fantasy league this year, and this is what he's got to do. You know, the, the... well, my favorite one was the guy that had to spend 24 hours in a waffle house. Yeah, that was good. But was, he could take an hour off for every waffle he consumed. He had to eat a, a waffle an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Every, take, yeah, waffle, every waffle yeah, he consumed an took an hour off the 24. Right. And you'd be amazed like quite well. He you, landed at like 15 right. waffles or something. Yeah. I was going to say you'd be amazed. You less so perhaps. But most people would be amazed quite how quickly you sort of reach the bottom of this is the number of waffles I'm capable I, of consuming. Can we do that at a... Brazilian steakhouse, Fogo? yeah, Fogo, and it's each uh, every each lamb steak chop. or eight lamb chops or something. Every lamb like chop is fifteen minutes off the time. I could crush some lamb chops. <laughs> Actually, let's yeah, you'd be out. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be any no, any longer a period of time than you normally spend yeah. in Fogo. Just two hours chilling and yeah, eating a lot of lamb chops. Right, that would be. I, oh, that's not a punishment. There was another one I saw recently crush of a guy chops. who had to construct a, a raft out of gallon milk jugs and duct tape and sail it four miles across a lake what i didn't watch the end of that video but watching the raft as it went into the water i'm like zero percent chance he's making it four miles (laughs) what if he fails well then he drowns i guess i get i mean that doesn't feel worth it it's pretty hard to play fantasy football Mm. anyway so go do that send in your video send it in where are they sending it there was somebody that tweeted a response to that saying something like uh being Chris's personal guest should be the punishment. And ironically... Why would you, why would you repeat that? Because, I'm going to say, because ironically, I feel like if you submitted that as a video, that might win. Oh, like if I you made that. that the skit and you sent that in. I, yeah. I'm not giving people ideas here. I'm just saying, if I was on the judging panel, which, by the way, I'm not. So, you know, if you have a sense of my sense of humor from this show, useless to you. Um, but if someone had sent that in to me and that was like the thing, it, the whole you skit... Was a guy making like the the punishment was having to sit next to Chris and him doing his announcing for three hours. I'd vote for that to be the winner. But since That's I don't have a vote funny. in this, you know, I've no, I can't speak. Give that I, a shot. Number Give one, I don't even know who's on the voting panel. Number two, I can't speak for how they would approach that video if one does surface like yeah. that. But we'll send in multiple videos, maybe roll the maybe dice and give them. it a shot. Yeah. Got nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, we would have something to lose because you know he's our boss. You guys have nothing to lose. I'm just saying, I would find it funny, and I would vote for that if it, How if do we it get came. Get on the in. voting committee here. I don't know. I don't know. That's extra work. I don't want to do that. All right, we back on Monday. Yeah, awesome. Are you still here? Or are you leaving again? No, I'm here. Oh, cool. I'm here for the for the duration. 
the duration for most of the season. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's it. All right, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you on Monday.